Welcome to another in our series of Kehillat Israel podcasts. This is a recording of Rabbi Amy Bernstein's weekly Friday morning Torah study. The words of Torah that we're engaging with this morning of Parshat Toldot, Chaye Sarah, having been last week, we're now coming to the end of the Isaac narrative. And there's not much material on Isaac. Um, And most scholars believe that there's Isaac material that's been lost to us. That the folks who had Isaac as their guy, as their ancestor, probably fell out of power in early Israel. And so their stories didn't get preserved. Um, So the folks who had Abraham and the folks who had Yaakov as their big machers, um, those folks stayed influential in early Israel because we still have those stories. So possibly that's what happened with Isaac. Um, but we don't have a lot of Isaac material and um, already we missed one Parsha and we missed we missed Isaac. Right? We're, he's old now. Like he, We're coming to the end of his life. So it's like, boom, if you blink, you kind of miss and, and the Isaac stories. Because of Nick's naming his baby Isaac. He did. Nick named his baby Yitzchak Matan. Uh, so, and we'll have his story. Well, he'll have he'll have a story for sure, Long, and hopefully a fuller one than the portrait of Isaac that we get. So we're coming to the end of of his life. He he thinks he's dying, but we know he's not. But you can't know that if we're if we're going to go to beginner mind, right? If we're going to read this as if we've never read this before, we don't know he's not dying. So he thinks he's dying, and that's why this becomes such a big, big scene. Um, and so we have to read with that in mind, because otherwise you wouldn't know that, that, uh, that this whole big ritual is about, um, about what the patriarch does as he comes to the end of his life. He needs to pass on the, the patriarchal blessing to the next patriarch, right? And that is kind of the investment, uh, you know, meaning like the ceremonial investment of the new patriarch is to get the blessing, the deathbed blessing of the dying patriarch. So that's what we have here. But of course we know it's not going to go like a normal deathbed blessing of one patriarch to the next because it wouldn't be in the book of Genesis if it were a normal story, right? About how things are supposed to happen. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be in our sacred texts. All right. So let's start at 27.1. Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> Because we're Jews. <laughs> oh, uh, We don't tell the story. We don't have stories that are like, and so the firstborn got the birthright, and then he lived close with his parents, and then the father was going to die, and he gave the we blessing to his son, like and the that. son succeeded and became the patriarch. Right. Right. No, that is no. not our foundational <laughs> stories. So Everything went according to plan, and everyone got along, <laughs> right? Um, someone... It t- takes a long time for people who are not raised in our culture to understand this joke. Um, so <laughs> two non-Jewish women are having lunch. And one says to the other, how are the kids? And the other says, fine. <laughs> right, so... <laughs> Okay, let me let me tell it the other way. Jewish two Jewish women are having lunch. The wim, the waiter comes over and says, "Is anything okay?" 
<laughs> Those are the kind of stories we tell. We don't tell the story. Everyone got along. It was beautiful. They were proud of their son. Their son got the blessing, and then he had his own family, and they honored the. It's just no. It's not who we are. All right. Learning. <laughs> yes. We and so some interpretation. So some interpretation is that there wasn't much to Isaac. After that trauma, there really, there isn't a lot. Isaac was just a traumatized individual the rest of his life. Um, and I mean, it's a sad interpretation, but that is one interpretation that's offered is that the material isn't lost. The, the lack of material is in itself Isaac's story. The, his story was stolen from him the minute his father tied him up and raised that knife. All right. Um, whatever story he would have had as a normal, trusting, thriving person. Before I start to have a question yeah, okay. about the names. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, this says E-S-A-U, which I've always heard pronounced Esau. Right. Or Esau. Right. The Hebrew is not Esau. It's right. Esau. Right. And then later we have Rebecca, and the Hebrew is Rivka. Right. Should I be reading the Hebrew pronunciation or the what it says in the English, or how do we deal with that? So this, so when you look at this, this is these, the W and the V are still interchanged, right? They still are in German. So in other languages, yeah. like the, the W is pronounced V, same in Hebrew, mm-hmm. right? That, because the W also can take, right, a U sound. W becomes U. Right, so w is very close to u. So in Hebrew, the vav takes both the v and the u sound. So in English, they use the u and put the u and say it would be isau. And in Hebrew, it is esav. So you can do whichever one you want. Um, don't you love it? Well, I have a long explanation so you can do whatever you want. There's a Jewish answer for it. But also, the same happens, funny that you brought it up, um, the same happens with this letter. Right? So, this, how do you, how, how's this letter pronounced? Let's, I'll give it a vowel because otherwise it's a trick question. Um, how, Huh? It's a v or v. it can be a v. Right, also but if I dot. do this, right. if I put a dot in the bet, it's a v. So this sound and this sound is the same as this sound and this sound, pay or fe, it's the same thing. If, in, if you take your lips, because remember we've always talked about a consonant is not a sound. A consonant, you have to have a vowel to have a sound. The vowel is the air moving through the mouth. A consonant is simply a position of the mouth. So do the position of the mouth for a B. Don't, don't, no wind through and com- coming through it. There's no vowel. Give me just the position of the mouth for a B. Lips are closed. Now do a V. What changed? Lips are open. Your teeth, your teeth go to the bottom lip. Now do a put your mouth in the position of a P, and now an F. What happened? Same, Same exact thing. So remember to have vine with your vegetables. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we we don't think of these as related, but linguists do. 
Yes. Linguistically, these are related. It's the, it's the, what do they call it? A fricative or whatever. It's the difference between the, the position of, and, an implosive and it's putting these teeth to the lip and then sounding, but it's the same position of the mouth as, right? The V is the same position of the mouth as the B, but moving the teeth to the, to the lip and then sounding. So Rivka has this vet that in Latin, when it's, when it's translated into Latin and stuff, they go with the V, with the B sound. Rebecca, mm-hmm. whereas in Hebrew, there's no dagesh in it. So it's a vet. It's so it's rivka, mm-hmm. not ribka, right? And, and it's the same thing with Yitzhak and Isaac, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We say Isaac in English. Right, so it's... Or is uh, that for a different reason? So it's this sound versus this sound. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they... I think they do that a lot with mm-hmm. the tzadi. They mm-hmm. go for an S mm-hmm. instead of a Z. <laughs> Um, but so there's no right or wrong. There is no right or wrong. That that's the long that was my answer. Is that um, they are there's an English tradition about how to read and say those letters, and or I should say English from Latin, and then there's the Hebrew translation and the Hebrew uh, pronunciation. So it's up to you. I, I get confused often <laughs> and say Aesop half the time and Esau half the, when I'm reading Esau I say Aesop so it doesn't matter. In any event, when when Isaac was old. <laughs> And his eyes were, dim to, were too dim to see. He called his older son Esau and said to him, My son. He answered, Here I am. And he said, I am old now, and I do not know how soon I may die. Take your gear, and qu- your, gear qu- your quiver and bow and go out into the open and hunt me some game. Then prepare a dish for me such as I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my innermost blessing before I die. Okay. So Isaac was old, and the tikahena enav. His eyes are kehe. What is kehe? Yeah. So English here says dim. Kehe is cloudy. They are cataracts, probably. So some people want to say it is cataracts that he has. They're clouded. Right, so if you look into people's eyes who have cataracts, they're kind of milky. Um, you, know, you can actually see the cataract. Um, so that's that's the most likely explanation. Um, there's a beautiful tradition going to what Sarah said. There's a beautiful tradition that midrashim that say this is because when he was laying on the altar and he looked up, the angels were crying that he was going to be sacrificed and how that must be for Avraham and the angel's tears fell into his eyes and so when he's old this is the effect of the angel's tears having fallen into his eyes so his eyes have the clouds of heaven essentially in them um, which is a much nicer <laughs> well, but kind of also sad and right like really twisted um, so uh, he, so in any case he, something's happening with his eyes and he calls to his older son Esav and says to him my son and what does Esav answer Hineni the only appropriate answer when you get called in, in a certain tone of voice or by a certain person or by God the only proper answer is Hineni I'm here I'm ready what, what, whatever it is you're going to say, I, I'm, 
I'm prepared. So that doesn't really come across in the English. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. Hineni doesn't translate. Mm-hmm. And that's isn't that what Abraham said. What but whenever you see here I am, mm-hmm. you, there should be like ding 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 ding. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and you should and you should think is, is it Hineni in the Hebrew? Let me go check. Um, all right, so my son, Bni. Now, this you would have to pay attention to this language. This is a beautiful literary unit. The words are meaningful. They, were, they are repeated meaningfully. He says, Yaakov said, uh, Yitzchak, and I, I will do this through the whole time. <laughs> Yitzchak and Yaakov, I get it all. Confused. Yitzchak says, Bni. That's all. Bni, my son. Esav answers, Hineni. Here I am. He says, I'm old now and I do not know how soon I may die. Take your gear, your quiver and bow and go out in the open and hunt me some game. What have we been told about the relationship of Yaakov to, to, of Yitzchak to Esau? Isaac and Esau, what's, what's the relationship? Esau is the one who is wild and goes out hunting. And, and what does that mean for Isaac? Uh, Isaac. Not, not Jacob, Isaac. Isaac's the father. So, what's his relationship to? So, yes, Asaph hunts and all that stuff. What's what's Isaac's relationship to that? He's appalled by. We we are told, mm-hmm. and and Isaac loved his son Asaph because he loved the taste of game in mm-hmm. his mouth. Isaac prefers Asaph because he hunts. Because he brings home meat, and Isaac likes meat. He likes the taste of game. It's a, it's a treat, right? To, to be able to eat that. I mean, any, anybody who's, who's, who lives off the land knows that. It's a huge extravagance, meat. Um, and so, so now he's asking Aesop to go do the very thing that he loves Aesop for and go bring game. And now we're going to get prepare a dish, like all this focus on the food. Prepare a dish such as I like and bring me to eat. Do you hear how it's over and over and over about, about, about Esau feeding Isaac? Esau nourishing his father. Right? So possibly people like Zornberg are going to read into that. That Isaac never fully becomes an adult. Isaac is dependent on Esau to feed him. To nourish him. He doesn't do it himself. This is where we really miss the stories. Yes. Yes. It could be because he's old, but he lives a really long time. So so he's. Well, but maybe he's infirm. Maybe he's frail. Could be. Doesn't that go back to when he was passive, when his father, when his father said, you know, take the wood, go for the sacrifice? So, so that's said, certainly okay. one interpretation is yeah. that Isaac has never been terribly, yeah. you know, strong himself. And then that the Akedah wrecks him, um, essentially. Um, and he's, and then some interpretations that he's also fairly dependent on Rebecca. Like ap- it says, he takes Rebecca into his mother's tent after his mother's death. And it's the first time he is comforted mm-hmm. after his mother's death. So he kind of sees Rebecca as... As you know, as a mother substitute. So we we don't just spend a lot of time on it, but I just want it there because we tend to just read this story like this, and we we know it since nursery school or you know first grade or whatever, and and it's just so much more complicated and and rich than we tend to read it. I thought in an earlier episode there was an incident where he was criticized for being a hunter and not 
not following the path of study and learning. So, okay, study and learning never appears in Genesis. Okay. So what must that already be? That already has to be rabbinic. Okay. So of course the rabbis are going to do that. He doesn't get the blessing. Right. It's taken from him. I'm remembering it. The rabbis are going to have to defend that. Yeah. I'm remembering a negative aspect to his being a hunter. They have to do that. Yes. Because it wasn't tradition to live the life of a hunter. No. No. It's because they have to live with this story. They have to live with the fact that Jacob stole it from him. How do you live with that and have Jacob be your ancestor? It must be because Esau wasn't worthy of the blessing. So we can talk about that when we get to the end. But definitely they have to find fault with Esau or they cannot live with the story. Right. Okay. I have a Hebrew question. The answer that uh, uh, Esau gives is Hineni. And the next word, this is Vayomer is that a play on words? He said, so where are you? What b- verse? Uh, verse 2? Yeah, verse 1. So, ends, yeah, for sure. Hineni and for then... For sure. Hineni Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's everywhere in this story. Hineni, and then he says, Hineni Behold, take your gear. Absolutely. All right, so uh, go to five. Rebecca had been listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau had gone out into the open to hunt game to bring home, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, I overheard your father speaking to your brother Esau, saying, bring me some game and prepare a dish for me to eat that I may bless you with the Lord's approval before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully as I instruct you. Go to the flock and fetch me two choice kids and I will make of them a dish for your father such as he likes. Then take it to your father to eat, in order that he may bless you before he dies. Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am smooth-skinned. If my father touches me, I shall appear to him as a trickster, and bring upon myself a curse, not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Your curse, my son, be upon me. Just do as I say, and go fetch them for me. Okay. So Rivka is in the tent, and she hears what Isaac has just said to Esau. So Esau leaves, presumably to go hunting, which takes a little bit of time. And she says to Yaakov, I overheard your father speaking to your brother, saying, bring me some game and prepare me a dish that I like to eat, that I may bless you with the Lord's approval before I die. Is that what he said? No. What he said? What, what's different? Um, that I may, he says, that I may give give you you my my innermost blessing. blessing. It does not say with God's approval. So Rivka has added something, right? We always know that there's a reason for that, right? I mean, this got people in a lot of trouble in Eden. Don't eat if we were told, don't eat of that tree and don't even touch it. Then the snake's like, we'll touch the tree, see what happens. Right, so when you add something, right, it changes, it changes the meaning, it changes the story. So, so Rivka seems to be saying that what's going to happen is God's will. All, all Yitzchak said is that he was going to give Esav his blessing. But what does Rivka suggest? She ups the ante. She ups the ante. Lifnei Adonai. 
right? Before God, right? She has lifted this to another place. Now my son, right? Again, ve'ata, bni. And now, bni, right? We're going to get this over and over and over. Bni. For Yitzchak, bni is Esav. For Rivka, bni is Yaakov. Now, my son, listen carefully as I instruct you. Go to the flock and fetch me two choice kids, and I will make of them a dish for your father, such as he likes. Then take it to your father to eat in order that he may bless you before he dies. Jacob answered his mother, Rebecca, that would be wrong. I don't want to do that because I'm an ethical and moral person. She's trying to undercut. Isn't that what he just answered? Don't think so. No. But my brother Asaph is a hairy man and I am smooth skinned. If my father touches me, I shall appear to him as a trickster and bring upon myself a curse, not a blessing. So is Yaakov concerned that this would be the wrong thing to do? No, they'll just be caught. I might get caught. Right? And uh, Zornberg plays a lot. A lot with this word. Mita'atea. That Yaakov says, I will be considered mita'atea. Someone who's funking around, messing around with, right? Reality. And people's perception of reality. And um, if he sees me as mita'atea, then he's going to curse me, not bless me. Yaakov doesn't say, I'm not a mita'atea. Right? He says, my father will see me as one, and then I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. So what is important to Yaakov is his father's perception of him. Not doing the right thing. Not himself, but what 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 is Yitzchak's, you know, vision, view of Yaakov. That's what he's mostly concerned about. And so Zornberg and other people like that, I just read her last night, which is why she's, she's like going to be in and we're going to read her together. Um, and others, and she's always drawing on the traditional sources, um, 100% understand that you can't have this scene mean what it needs to mean unless Isaac can't see. Because the whole thing is about perception. Right? That it it would lose a lot if it was just dark. (laughs) Right? Like, there's something about the fact that he can't perceive that makes... Every, that makes the whole thing work in that it is all about perception. And she's going to go to even Yaakov's perception of himself shifting after this moment. Is there commentary on the obvious family dynamics, <laughs> which just have to be pretty difficult here, you know, Rebecca and Isaac? I mean, they're obviously in complete disagreement. One favors one son, one favors the other son. It seems that's where the drama is here, not, not that Isaac is. So there's there's two traditions. One is that Rivka's working against yeah. against yeah, she is. Isaac. Another tradition says they are working together. They have set all of this up. Good comeback, mm-hmm. huh? <laughs> Good comeback, huh? Isn't there also commentary that Isaac, that, that 
he can't see and he totally understands what's going on. So that's that's the tradition that says that they are setting this up and he is not in fact blind. He he has cataracts. He can still see. Sarah? I think another important thing is how old approximately is Esau here? So they're twins. So they're the same age. And we know with the Akedah, he wasn't tiny, right? And that happened a while ago. So, so if he's a young adolescent, if that's possible, then what his parents think of him is very important, even though he may say it isn't. Because so he hasn't had time to live in his own way. And you don't even need age. Right? Zornberg's going to go to, it's not even about age, it's about Yaakov hasn't been tested. Yaakov has been at home. We're told he's the one that likes to hang out in the camp. Remember, he was making lentil soup? Right? He's doing women's work. Like he's, he's soft, he's smooth. Right? Um, and he, he, whether he's a young adolescent or not, he, he's in that place. Even, let's say he's 26. Does, it doesn't matter. He, He's in exactly what you're saying, that his father's perception of him still defines who he is and his mother pushing him to do something. He doesn't say, I, no way, right? Like, um, and that, that this is, in fact, his stepping into becoming, you know, starting his path to becoming Yaakov, to becoming fu- fulfilled in terms of who, what his role in the world is. Well, that's kind of the order when we read it, but Rebecca already sort of gotten a message from God that Jacob's the one. Yes. So uh, that was that, already so that, 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 thank you. <laughs> so that is one of the ways people read this is that they are in cahoots is that Rebecca, we're told she and Yitzchak are close. They've already had babies when Avimelech knows that they're not brother and sister because they're fondling each other on the roof. So their love life is pretty active. So why wouldn't she tell... So here's how the argument goes. Why would we not expect that she went right home and told Isaac, mm-hmm. I've been told there are two in my belly and the younger one is going to supplant the older one. So now if Yitzchak knows that, you can imagine he's in with her on making sure the younger one succeeds the older one. But they don't want to humiliate exactly Asaph. but Yaakov's got to prove that he can do this. All right, so I don't want to spend too much time on interpretation until we finish the story, um, and then we'll look at um, Zorinberg, because I keep talking about it. We might as well look at it. He got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared a dish such as his father liked. Rebecca then took the best clothes of her older son Esau, best clothes of her older son Esau, which were there in the house, and had our younger son Jacob put them on. And she covered his hands and the hairless part of his neck with the skins of the kids. (laughs) Then she put in the hands of her son Jacob the dish and the bread that she had prepared. He went to his father and said, Father. And he said, Yes, which of my sons are you? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Pray sit up and eat of my game that you may give me your innermost blessing. Isaac said to his son, How did you succeed so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God granted me good fortune. Isaac said to Jacob, 
Come closer that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob grew close to his father Isaac, who felt him and wondered. The voice is the voice of Jacob, yet the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, and so he blessed him. All right. This is the original wolf in sheep's <laughs> This is it. And we have another Hanani and Hanani. All right. At the beginning. There you go. So he comes to his father, right? And he says, Avi. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is the echo of Bni. Mm-hmm. Bni is my son, Avi. My right? Father. My father. So he comes and he says, Avi. And Yitzchak says, Hineni mi ata bni. So, who are you, bni? Right? You don't get it in English. We've had Yitzchak call Esav bni, and we've had Rivka call Yaakov bni, and now he says, mi ata, who are you, bni? Not which of my sons are you? Who are you, bni, my son? Does that have any deeper meaning? Like, who are oh, you? Oh, are you are you kidding? Are you kidding? Right. He wasn't asking. Are you kidding? Right. You know how much midrash is written here? Nineteen. Yaakov says to his father, and this is interesting because again, the English is going to throw you off. Uh, well, not so much, but Anochi Esav bechorecha, asiti ka'asher dibarta elai. So he says, Anochi. Esav bechorecha. I am Esav, your firstborn. All right. The rabbis are horrified at this, yes? Shouldn't they be? Yeah. Yes. So the classic way to interpret this in order to save Yaakov a little bit is Anochi... Right? What does it say? Anochi Esav Bechorecha. All right. So the way classically this gets dealt with is this. And you're going to laugh. It's okay. I don't care. I didn't write it. (laughs) Classically, the way that this gets dealt with is, well, technically... (laughs) The sentence needs to be broken here. What he's saying is, Anochi, it's me. Esav bechorecha. Esav is your firstborn. And he's not lying. So, let's eat, comma, grandma, or let's eat grandma. That comma makes a huge difference. Right? So... So this comma would make a very big difference. Anochi Esav Bechorecha. I am Esav, your firstborn, is a complete out-and-out lie. Anochi. When he says, who are you, Bni? Me. Anochi. Me. It's me. <laughs> who else would it be, right? Anochi. It's me. Esav Bechorecha. Esav, your firstborn. Well, and there's no commas in the Torah. And there's no commas or punctuation in the Torah. So... Hmm? Just, I'm just thinking because so being a twin, not that I'm a twin, but I have friends, you know, that they 
maybe their constant perception they come into is, yeah, I'm going to get confused, like automatically, like who's who. So it's not like he's saying out of the blue, and I'm not, you know, I'm not my twin brother, but just how am I trying to say this? So his father won't confuse it because he expects that his father is going to say, well, I've got two and you're both, you know, kind of the same. Which one are you? So he's used to having to self-identify because he's a twin. Via being his brother, right. He reminds him, of course, so he's absolved. So John is trying here. John is trying really hard for the defense side of things. All right, so... So classically, that's the uh, that's one of the ways, and and the rabbis go further. They say, here's proof, here's proof that Yaakov has a sense of what's going on, and that it's okay. Where do we see this word? Where is this word most famously? Why do we know Anochi? Anochi Adonai Elohecha. What's that? The beginning of the Ten Commandments. The first word of the Ten Commandments. He's saying, Anochi, I'm the one that's going to be the progenitor of the people who are going to stand and hear Anochi Adonai Elohecha. I'm the Anochi guy, right? I'm the one who's going to be the father of the people that stands at the mountain and hears you say that first word Anochi and then says, we can't handle anymore. <laughs> Moses, go, go handle it for us. All they could hear was Anochi, right? And, and the rabbis actually say all they heard was the silent Aleph of Anochi, and they flipped out. All right, so a lovely reading by the tradition that Yaakov is saying more than we could possibly know from just the black fire. We have to read the white fire. Yes? All right. So, uh, I have done as you told me. Pray, sit up, and eat of my game that you may give me your innermost blessing. Yitzchak said to his son, how did you succeed so quickly? Meaning, how did you get, how did you hunt and kill it and skin it and gut it and get it back here and cook it? And like, how did that happen so quickly? But this innermost blessing thing you pointed out is not what his mother said to him. Well, she says the blessing and that it's approved before God. But the innermost blessing is what was originally said. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's that's the that's what happens on the de- that's what happens oh, okay. on the deathbed, so that right? That's con- the okay. that's the ceremony is he's gonna get that I'm just wondering if he had overheard it. Because <laughs> he uh, doesn't repeat what his mother told him. Um well right. So he Where is Cecil where, being where am I? We need I, I know, right? <laughs> so when he's asked how did you succeed so quickly, what does Yaakov answer? <laughs> Right? He cried Adonai Elohecha Lefanai. God made it happen. God, God, God did it for me. Right? Um, <laughs> wait, what, I'm looking for the here. Okay. Um, all right. Is that to show that he's. I know. I read the wrong part. Huh? Is that to show that he's even more worthy? God is on my side. God is showing you that I'm worthy. It's to cover his backside. Um, personally, like I read it as incredible chutzpah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Like, not only is he lying, but he's now going to implicate God in his lie. Right? And surely it's, you know, well, your God, 
right? The one whose blessing you're really about to give me is to be in line to, to inherit this promise from your God had something to do with it, right? So sh- yes, and it's like chutzpah of chutzpah, right? Is to say your God made it happen, meaning mom. <laughs> <laughs> and so Yitzchak, uh, Yitzchak says to Esav, Right? Gshana, like come come close. And he he feels him, right? He touches him and then wonders to himself, the voice is the voice of Jacob, yet the hands are the hands of Asaph. Velohikiro, he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like those of his brothers Esav, and so he blessed him. All right, 24. He asked, are you really my son Esau? And when he said, I am, he said, serve me and let me eat of my son's game that I may give you my innermost blessing. So he served him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father uh, Isaac said to him, come close and kiss me, my son. And he went up and kissed him. And he smelled his clothes and he blessed him saying, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the fields that the Lord has blessed. <laughs> it really was. May God give you of the dew of heaven and the fat of the earth, abundance of new grain and wine. Bless let you. people serve you and nations bow to you. Be master over your brothers and let your mother's sons bow to you. Cursed be they, they who curse you. Blessed be those who bless you. Okay. So he decides to bless him and then says... Are you really my son, Esau? <laughs> so he says, "Vayomer ata ze bni Esav, ze bni Esav, this bni Esav, Vayomer," and he says, "Ani, it's me." So he. Uh, he asks that he be served, and then he's going to bless him. And so he ate, and he brought him wine and drank. This is the ceremonial meal that accompanies the investiture of the new patriarch. This is not just because he's hungry. This is, a, this is, whenever we have the cutting of a covenant, we have the meal that seals that deal. This is a, these were Esau's finest clothes. This was getting Esau's tuxedo and putting on his tuxedo and coming in right and having like a state dinner right this is everything that's necessary for the ritual to happen of of making of designating this son as the one who's going to reign in the family so so they have this celebratory meal and the wine and then his father says to him Again, come close and kiss me, my son. And he went up and he kissed him and he smelled his clothes. Whose clothes are they? Esau's clothes. And he blessed him saying, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the fields that God has blessed. And then gives him the blessing. May God give you of the dew of heaven and the fat of the earth, abundance of new grain and wine. This is an agrarian culture. This is you have to have this if you're going to have anything. You have to have. Prescribed blessing. I mean, is this what he would always say, or these? We don't know. 
Let peoples serve you and nations bow to you. Be master over your brothers and let your mother's sons bow to you. Cursed be they who curse you. Blessed they who bless you. So in this sense, brothers must be, you know, everybody because she only has one other son. Right? It's, there's only there's only Esau and Yaakov. So this must be a more expansive understanding of your, your kinsmen, your cousins, you know, everybody. Um, and... So, so he gives him the blessing. Okay, then 30. No sooner had Jacob left the presence of his father Isaac after Isaac had finished blessing Jacob than his brother Esau came back from his hunt. He too prepared a dish and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father sit up and eat of his son's game so that you may give me your innermost blessing. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? And he said, I am your son Esau, your firstborn. Isaac was seized with very violent trembling. Who was it then, he demanded, that hunted game and brought it to me? Moreover, I ate of it before you came, and I blessed him. Now he must remain blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst into a wild and bitter sobbing and said to his father, Bless me too, father. But he answered, Your brother came with guile and took away your blessing. Esau said, Was he then named Jacob that he might supplant me these two times? First he took away my birthright, and now he has taken away my blessing. And he added, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered, saying to Esau, But I have made him master over you. I have given him all his brothers for servants and sustained him with grain and wine. What then can I still do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, father? Bless me too, father. Esau wept aloud, and his father Isaac answered, saying to him, See, your abode shall enjoy the fat of the earth and the dew of the heaven above. Yet by your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restive, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Continue. Uh, It's okay. We can stop there. All right. So, Yaakov leaves... And, I mean, if you're going to write the scene, right, you know, exit Yaakov, enter Esau with a platter of steak, right, and beef stew. Um, And he comes and he says, let my father sit up and eat of his son's game so that you may give me your innermost blessing. You can imagine how excited he is to be partaking in this ceremony. And his father Isaac says to him, what does he ask him? Who are you? (laughs) Right? Who are you? Right? (laughs) Mi ata. What's missing? Bni. Mi ata. Who are you? Vayomer. Ani bincha. Bechorecha. Esav. I am your son. Your firstborn. Esav. Isaac was seized, right, with the very violent trembling, which is a very good interpretation of the Hebrew. So he's like, seriously, like, Shaking. Who was it then, he demanded, that hunted game and brought it to me? Moreover, I ate of it because before you came, and I blessed him, and now he must remain blessed. Is he angry, or is he frightened, or why is he trembling? Tell me. He realized he's and been the, tricked. And now he must remain blessed is just... Absolutely. Remember in the ancient world, once you release a blessing, once you release a curse, you have set that in motion. There is no way to recall that. There is no way to undo that. 
which is why they were so powerful. Is there no concept of fraud? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right? So does the fact that apparently not. apparently not. Apparently, it doesn't matter. Once so you say that. To someone who committed a illegal act, as we call it illegal, mm-hmm. is still a valid. Because remember, for them, this is not about, it's not based in any way in earning something. It's not, remember, the guy who was paid, Balaam was paid by King Balak to go curse Israel. If Israel doesn't deserve cursing, does that mean the curse doesn't work? Of course not. Right? You, of course, Judaism moves, early Israel moves to an idea that if you do right by God, you'll be blessed. And if you don't, you'll be cursed. So that's part of the early Israelite reconstruction of pagan theology is that it's not random anymore. Remember we talked about this two weeks ago, whatever it was, that it's not random anymore, that that blessing and curse is earned now. But the reality still remains that if you curse or if you bless, that is effective whether or not you deserve it. God just promises, I won't curse you unless you deserve it. Is, is the lesson that the bad will be rewarded? Is that what I'm supposed to read? I, well, what, so this, it's up to you. What does it mean? I think it means that the Jewish people needed Jacob to be their leader. So, so clearly Rivka agrees with that interpretation, right? Clearly Rivka has given, been given an oracle and is told the younger will supplant the older And so she's been told in her mind by God that this is how it's supposed to be. So she thinks, however this has to happen, this has to happen. Yaakov needs to get that blessing because Yaakov needs to be the patriarch. But if we look at all the stories that we read as having great psychological insight, even without psychologists and the studies that we've done since then, this happens. It's reality. And I think it's a testimony to the fact that the Torah is aware of reality. So what happens? What's reality? That people cheat, lie, yeah. steal to get their way. Well, and also people get older and they'll see. They can be, can well, be, anybody can be fooled. And, or, and, and maybe his trembling was realizing his, his, his physical inability for him to be able to really see and perceive who's was. <laughs> maybe that's part of it too. So his own realization of his own inability, really, to to be the patriarch, to, right. that he's that he's been able to be taken advantage of like this, he starts to tremble. That he realizes how weak his yeah. his position oh, is. His perception is bad. There's also the issue of consequences for favoring favoring a child. Oh, are there going to be some consequences for favoring a child? No, that's fine. Right. So. Um, she gets let out the hook by God right? for me because ultimately they have to choose between their two children and they're supposed to love them equally. Right? So well, she chooses. She gets to choose by saying, "I didn't choose God." So she believes God chose. Rivka believes that. We can criticize that if we want to, but Rivka believes she went to an oracle. She was told, Torah tells us, she went to inquire of God and God told her. So we can we can decide that's not true, but Rivka believes in the story that that's the truth. And people find a way to justify. And, <laughs> ah, well, what does it mean that the people who became the people of Israel 
write a story that says our ancestor got to be patriarch by tricking his father. That's the part that fascinates me the most. What is with the people that this is their foundational story? Who writes this as this is how we got to be who we are? Our patriarch was so amazing, he tricked his blind father and stole the right to be the patriarch. Like, like, that's a little, right? What's with the people who look at Roy Moore doing what he did and say, I still think he's fine. Okay, but we we don't want to be those people. We would never say we're the, but that's who we are. Like, but why did we write that? If you get to pick, you don't write, we're the people who knows Roy Moore did it, but we're fine with that. You would never write that as your story of why you support your senator. Like, right, you... Here's my politics. We know what he did, and he's a horrible person, but like we're, we support him anyway. We, we wouldn't write that narrative. We would rewrite that. That's a terrible narrative. It so, yeah, unless you think they're in it together, they just have to have a way to get... So it's intolerable for many of the rabbis that they are not in it together. It is intolerable for them to consider that one parent tricked the other, she loved one son more, and she got one over on her husband and her other son, the, the rabbis, many of them have to believe Rebecca and Isaac were in this together because they understood this to be God's will. We're going to look at Zornberg and how she interprets exactly that. How does she justify how about, the trembling? How about just looking ahead in our story to the Ten Commandments and say, well, wait a minute. If the Ten Commandments had existed back then, this would not, they did right. And is it possible that the rabbis said later on, you know, this was fraud. You can't do this anymore. Well, you can't do it. Yeah, clearly, clearly later in Torah, yeah. it's not okay to lie. But going to Robert, set, setting up Robert's point, it happens in the next chapters. Yeah. What happens to Yaakov? What happens to Yaakov's son that he favored? <laughs> not just tricked right he gets tricked and what happens his son is taken from him forever till he's really old at the very end when he's in Isaac's exact position his son Yaakov's favorite son is taken from him and he thinks he's been killed it comes that it's not okay what happened here comes in this book it's Jewish karma. Jewish karma. What goes around, my friends, comes right back around. Right? And so it's, we can't read those J- Joseph stories without having read this. Right? Yaakov gets what's coming to him. And what else happens before even Yosef? Uh-huh. That whole marrying one daughter, getting a different one? He's tricked by his father-in-law. He has to work 14 years. You, you can't read those stories outside of the context of what happens when you win by deception and, and manipulation and being a mata'atea is you get mata'ateaed. So maybe this should give us hope nowadays. There's only eight commandments and two suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> One way to look at it for sure. Look at 172, Zornberg. Our copier with the highlights is broken. So go to the Sfat Emet paragraph. I love this. 
love this, I love this, I love this. It's a much bigger chapter. It's very dense. It's very hard to get through. Um, so I just want to do a little bit of it with you. Please read at, at your leisure at home or buy the book, even better. Svadamet takes up the idea of impersonation as expressing the desire to expand the range of self. According to a famous rabbinic statement, it is sometimes possible to assume the part, the role of another person in paradise. Jacob assumes the costume of Esau takes on what had been Esau's role. This involves Jacob in a new, complex, and dangerous sense of himself. No longer merely simple, sincere, These are words used about him in Torah. He now carries all the explosive energies symbolized by hair, by strong limbs. Go to the end of the parentheses. Now, good and evil are intermingled in him. He will will be forever involved with the ambiguities of the world of seeming. He's described as each each tam, a simple man. This is written on gravestones. It is not an insult. He's an each tam. He's, what you see is what you get. There's no deception. There's no, right? So what she's saying is, that's who Yitzchak has been. He's not a meta'atea. He's ishtam. He's simple. He's straightforward. There's no agenda. He has no agenda until now. Till Rivka says, you need to be the one to get the blessing. What is he afraid of? That his father will see him as a meta'atea. Because that's not who he is. This is her suggested reading. I just want us to play with it because I think it's gorgeous. So now he's going to enter the world of good and evil kind of being mixed up. And he enters the world of seeming. Right? She seems like a nice girl. (laughs) Right? He's never been part of the world of seeming. He's always been exactly who he's been and simple. So she's saying now he's entering the world of seeming. Svadamet concludes paradoxically, now that he is dressed in Esau's clothes, playing his role, it is written, and Isaac smelled his clothes and blessed him. And Yaakov spoke truth. This is the Svadamet. And Jacob spoke truth when he said, I am Esau, your firstborn, in the sense of inward selfhood and destiny. <laughs> like what so the Sfatimet this is not Zornberg this is Zornberg bringing the Sfatimet Rabbi Yehuda Leib of Ger the Hasidic amazing Rebbe who says you're missing the point he's not lying he's becoming Esav not Esav the person Esav Bechorecha the role the role of firstborn and so he's telling the truth once he puts on those clothes and takes the very dangerous steps of walking into that room, he's no longer Yaakov Ishtam. He's now, right, taking on the role of what you'd have to do in his position to become Bechorecha, your firstborn. All right, hang on. Oh, I heard that over there. It's a stretch. Very nice. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, go to go to page one seventy three. <laughs> it's such a Jewish crowd. Oh my god. 
I, right? It's a difficult room. It's a very difficult room. Now tell that joke again. I think I'd get it. I know. That, right? How are your kids? Fine. Huh? She's a major character for sure, and she's going to say something else that's really that's really cool. That I, and I, and I want to get through, so I don't keep you. Um, so I am Asad, your firstborn. So she brings this is this is Zornberg's genius. Now she brought this photo at her genius. I believe she probably has a photographic memory. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious because she brings quotes from places that you're like, okay, how did she connect that to Emerson? <laughs> like, to, I think she remembers everything she's ever read because there's no way you'd get there. Like from, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's incredible. So what does she say? Adopting this last phrase, we may say that Jacob achieves in the conscious irony of I am Esau, your firstborn. And now she's quoting somebody else, uh, this guy, Trilling. She's quoting Trilling. I'm telling you, this is, she's unbelievable. How would you get to Trilling from here? Unless you have a photographic memory, right? So she quotes Trilling. In saying, I am Aesop, your firstborn, he is living into what Trilling says is the kind of freedom which we call detachment. If existence is responded to as if it were less than totally earnest, spirit is the less bound by it. It can then without sadness accept existence and without resentment transact such business with it as is necessary. The human relation to it need not be fixed and categorical. It can be mercurial and improvisational. Oh, my gosh. I put this on Facebook. I'm like, I am Esav means he is able to detach in a way that allows him to respond to experience, right? And without resentment, Transact such business with it as is necessary. So it makes us wonder, do we ever escape this, this dilemma in our lives now? Well, um, the, the, Trilling's not calling it a dilemma. No, but the, the interaction of truth and, and seeming. Do we ever escape that in our lives as we live them? So I, I want to I move away from the word escape. Okay. I want to say what, what she's bringing forward here, which I think is fantastic, is, is there a difference? If I, if I want, you know that's fake it till you make it? Yeah. But, and then they said, no, it's not fake it till you make it. It's fake it till you become it. Mm-hmm. Once I start, you know how long I pretended to be senior rabbi? <laughs> <laughs> There's days I still pretend to be senior rabbi well, because that's, maybe that's exactly they'll believe it, right? So. There, at, at what point is it truth? And I mean, forget the piece of paper that said I'm senior. Like, right. we have to. We enter the world of seeming, right. and take on something that isn't us right. in order to grow into that. So, is it not true before then? So the end does justify. Wait, no, 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 no. But how is within it? Within it is the power of choice that we are given this amazing power to choose. But if you're innocent. You don't know that necessarily. And as you cross through, then you realize, I can choose 
uh, evil, or I can choose, choose whatever, however you want to define it, but he becomes it because he's already it and he owns it. I think she's, she's bringing that you can't ever go back to right. true or seeming. Right. right. You can't. Once you are an adult, once you enter this world and have any kind of sense of what the heck is going on, it is always seeming truth they're kind of mixed it's kind of one kind of the other right you know and that's what i mean by escape is it is it just part of yes i think that's what i think that's a very interesting interpretation of saying i am asab is not a lie and no one's trying to get him off the hook zornberg's not trying to forgive asab she's not defending him she wants to dig for the real meaning of these stories and i think she hits it Maybe a stretch for Paula, but I think, <laughs> I think she hits part of the meaning squarely on the head that we, we sometimes have to say, Ani Esav Bechorecha, if that's who we're going to become. And that's who Yaakov's going to become, mm-hmm. is the patriarch. He can't do it until he says, that's right. he Ani Bechorecha. So rich. It's not who he's been. But if that's who he's going to become, he has to enter the world of seeming. There's a lot of truth in that. It makes me think of having my first child and becoming a mother. And what, you know, what is that like my mother? What, what is yes. happening? That's a good and analogy. you grow into it. Okay. But that doesn't rest on a trigger. manipulated choice that takes away identity from someone else. That's the worst. So that, that, is, that is where we That's remain stuck, right, in terms of how do we really live with this. If had Aesop gotten a blessing too, yeah, but, but that's the other thing is that um, Rabbi Sachs points out, Aesop gets a blessing. Aesop also gets a blessing. Also, he becomes the progenitor of uh, people. He lives at home. He has a fairly, I'm sure, okay relationship with Isaac, I don't know how he feels about Rebecca. Um, I don't know if he knows her part in this or not. We don't know. But what we know is he stays home. And he gets a people and he's blessed. And so Sachs says, being the Bechor, being the patriarch is not for everybody. And there are serious things that come with that. And there are serious consequences for Yaakov that come with it. Yaakov has to leave. So it's another example of being chosen. For Sachs, he definitely talks about it as being chosen doesn't mean other people don't have their specific, unique relationship with God and don't have their blessings and don't have their shtick. They just don't, it doesn't come with all the mishigas <laughs> that being part of this particular uh, relationship to God does because this has a lot of stuff that goes on. Let's go to 174. I just want to show you this because I don't trust you to read it on your own. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure you have good intentions, but then life gets busy and the phone rings and whatever. Okay. So go, crossing the threshold, going to Sarah's point in a way, and to someone else said it earlier. So the petach, that second paragraph, mm-hmm. the petach, the threshold, is that liminal place where status changes and new realities begin. In halachic legal terms, the petach belongs to neither the internal space nor to the external it is a marginal, ambiguous area with powers and dangers of its own. And what he's taught, what she's talking about, um, go up to the paragraph before. Rebecca invests, middle of the paragraph, Rebecca invests Jacob in Esau's clothes and skins and then accompanies him to the petach, the doorway of Isaac's room. There she will says, till now, 
I owed you my support. From now on, your creator will stand by you. This is in the Midrash. She then puts the food into his hand and he brings it across the threshold to his father. So it is Rebecca who brings him once again, as she did when she birthed him. She brings him to the Petach. Right? And you'll see my note to myself in the margins. <laughs> um, but it's like, because of course. Who other than Rivka could bring him to the Petach? This was her scheme all along, wasn't it? So she brings him to the liminal place where his status is going to change. She brought him to the Petach once and brings him into the world. And now she brings him to the Petach again for him to step over, but he has to do that on his own, but he steps over into the place where he will now become someone else, as we read on the page before. He will now become Esav Bechorecha, not the Yaakov he's been till now. She knows it is time for him to not only fledge, but to fledge in a direction that nobody but she believed was, if they're not in cahoots, you have, you have to... You know, depends which story you're buying. Um, that um, that she knows is his destiny, but nobody else. Only she, the mother, can bring him to that petach where he can be launched and birthed into his uh, into his destiny. Um, and so she knows a blessing can't be withdrawn. Correct. She correct. Knows all of this. She's planned this. One seventy-five. To go to uh, Paula's earlier point, that last paragraph. Although it's all good, you should read it all. And he, she's talking about when he asks him to come close, right? And he kisses him and he smells him, right? What does he say when he blesses him? He says, or when he says to himself, he says, look, the smell of my son. Going to Paula's point, the word with which Isaac begins his speech means literally, look, the smell of my son. The effect of sense confusion called by the French symbolist poets synesthesia yields an impression of mystical transcendence. Limitations of the senses no longer define the knowledge Isaac has of the nameless son in his arms. What is she saying? He sees and smells Jacob's clothes and attains a moment of enlightenment. There is no discontinuity, no jolt, no conscious decision to bless his son. Instead, there is an intimation of a field and of blessedness, the fragrance of Eden, according to the Midrash. For, for Yitzchak, in that moment of synesthesia, where all senses are mixed up, he sees smell, right? Or you hear, voice, you hear lightning, as we have at Sinai. They heard the lightning, right? So you, with all of that sense confusion, he, ap- he apprehends the truth. This is Esav. That he he gets now that the nameless son in his arms. That it doesn't matter who this is. He gets it in that moment. He experiences fully that this is the child he needs to bless and who needs to become the patriarch. Richard? It's as if this this whole episode along with some others are like Yes. Yes. Jacob becomes Esau. Yes. Right. Yes. I think that for for her, 
And and again, it's like you don't have to you know, buy it or not. But I, but I always want to walk away from the Torah portion, not just kind of understanding the story, but like but being challenged by. I want to be thinking about it later. And in that sense, Zornberg leaves me thinking about what what is becoming, right? He he has become the one who's going to be the patriarch. And, and as she says, his nameless son, like. It, he doesn't bless him by name because it doesn't matter now. He's become somebody, something else in seeming to be that. He becomes it. And so where is it that we are called into becoming and are hesitating to step over that doorway, right? To walk into that room. Do you have another couple hours? <laughs> my, my door is always open. <laughs> Uh, so, so this Shabbat, as we come to these uh, stories of who we are, who we're not, who we want to be, are we a meta'atea? Are we authentic? Where, where are we struggling with any of that? Let us draw on the strength of Rivka, uh, who understands that we need to step over the threshold and claim uh, whoever it is uh, we're terrified sometimes of becoming. You've been listening to Rabbi Amy Bernstein's Friday morning Torah study from Kehillat Israel in Pacific Palisades, California. For more information, go to our website, www.ourki.org.